BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This was a huge hurdle in so many ways. I needed to be online four hours a day to do that, but it was worth it. I didn't know what it would produce, but when you are, have a caring heart, you figure that stuff out. And I think when I talk to young entrepreneurs in the beauty business, the caring part, what, how does that manifest for you? How does helping people manifest for you versus just putting a product out there? Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carleen Higgins. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jill Dunn. And I'm Carlene. So I hope that you guys are all staying home and staying safe. I know that it's been about six weeks of quarantine for us, right, Carlene? We haven't seen each other physically for about that length of time. No, we've been living on Zoom in our pajamas. <laughs> like everyone else. Now. And I'm sending you hugs over the airwaves, Jill. Yes, right back at you. And I know we'll get together just as soon as we can. And um, we're sending love and light to all of our listeners as well, especially on Earth Day. So today we're coming in hot with a founder episode featuring the queen of beauty, Leslie Blodgett. She's the creator of Bare Minerals Makeup, which is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. I feel like Leslie just was the perfect person to talk to right in this moment. For me, I'm just... Every day can kind of feel like a bit like Groundhog Day. And I'm some days really struggling to find that motivation. And Mm -hmm. I felt as though after talking to Leslie, she was just like a huge source of inspiration to sort of just like keep going. Mm -hmm. And she essentially took something that was quietly collecting dust in the marketplace and that was mineral makeup. And she miraculously turned it into a breakthrough billion dollar idea. And now Hailey Bieber's the face. That's how cool mineral makeup has become. Yeah. So Leslie was named the most influential woman to impact the beauty industry since Estee Lauder by the New York Times. So that's really saying a lot. Yeah. And if you're not familiar, Leslie is the person responsible for getting millions of women to tap, swirl, and buff, forever changing the way they apply makeup with the Bare Minerals Original Loose Powder Foundation. It was considered a total game changer back in the mid-90s. It had just five ingredients on the label, and they really talked about the idea of healthy makeup before clean beauty was a thing. 
totally. And you guys, we're going to do our new format once again today, which is where we're going to run the interview with Leslie. And then at the very end, we are going to give our personal review of this iconic product. So stay tuned for that. And we're also going to share some of the 101 info around mineral makeup. So Leslie herself rose to fame on QVC, where she pioneered the original power of community before the idea of social media even existed, earning her the first female title as Visionary of the Year by Women's Wear Daily. And she's been known to do the splits on boardroom tables. This is my kind of woman. (laughs) No kidding. In the next phase of her career, Leslie's been teaching classes at Stanford Graduate School of Business. She's a philanthropist with organizations like Every Mother Counts. And she's an angel investor working with Tatcha prior to their acquisition. And she's even backing some up-and-coming brands like the new Gen Z skincare brand called Kinship, plus many others. As of this month, Leslie's also an author sharing her candid insights on business, life, and beauty through her personal stories with her debut book, Pretty Good Advice for People Who Dream Big and Work Harder. There's so many good anecdotes in there. So today, Leslie is going to tell us exactly how Bare Minerals came to be, including the secrets to the brand's massive success. Leslie's also going to tell us what she thinks is the next big thing in beauty, so where to hedge your bets, and the sound advice any entrepreneur can take all the way to the bank. I'm Leslie Blodgett, created Bare Minerals, and I'm the former CEO of the company. So rewinding before Bare Minerals came to be, where did you grow up and like, what was family life like for you? Yeah, I totally love childhood questions because <laughs> I think that's how we're all yeah, shaped. totally. So I'm from Long Island, New York, which, you know, we thought we were like New York City people, but it turns out we weren't. We would just go in like a couple times a year for Broadway shows, but um, we're very different Long Islanders than New right. York City people. So I am the middle child of three kids. I was kind of an athletic kid. We played a lot. I did red. I had a million pen pals. I danced. I took dance class. I was very act like physically right. active. My parents were both public school teachers. Uh, Mom was home ec. Dad was a biology teacher. They got divorced when I was nine. Mm. Uh, so I'm definitely the product of the, a divorced family in the early 1971, which was still mm-hmm. kind of new for that whole thing back mm-hmm. then. The middle, like pure middle class. Yeah. Right? I understand that you had to kind of hustle to get your first break working in beauty. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I had this period of, I went to Oswego for two years, which is way upstate New York. And I thought, you know, if I go to school really far away in the cold, I'll want to study. I was a great student in right. high school, but just being away from home, mom was kind of strict. I just want, I was one of those kids that went kind of crazy right. in school. So I didn't end up going to all of my classes. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> else. Don't tell my son. That. So then nothing was like resonating for me at school. So I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mother found out that FIT in New York was offering this cosmetic uh, marketing program. So she's like, oh my God, you've been stealing my makeup forever. And it's all you care about is looking in the mirror and doing your eyes. Maybe this is right for you. Even though it was like the business side, not the makeup mm-hmm. side, you know, not the applying makeup side. So I applied and I was so excited and I was rejected because I didn't have any beauty industry experience. And I thought, what does that mean? And basically, if I even worked behind a counter, that would count. So I started applying to 
Macy's and Bloomingdale's and Gimbel's at the time trying to get a job and no one would hire me because I didn't have experience. I'm like, how, this is like a vicious mm-hmm. circle. Like how am I supposed to get in if no one's going to do it? So, you know, when you have no money and you're sleeping on your friend's parents' couch and you're just not eating, you do get desperate and you come up with really, and I realized that when I'm desperate is when I do my best work. <laughs> <laughs> like when I'm that stressed, I don't like necessarily panic. I panic at like enclosed spaces, but not when I have to get mm-hmm. stuff done. So Bloomingdale's was like amazing in the eighties. Everything was a show there in the cosmetic department. So I wanted a job. I went to the buying office and it was their offices were tiny because their store was so huge. They didn't really give them space to work. So the hallway was like, it was only probably a few feet. So for the buyers to get to work, they had to walk through this hallway and I would just go every day and stand in the hallway because um, they wouldn't talk to me, but it, they just had to brush by and it was embarrassing for them and it was awkward. And then eventually they brought me in and said, okay, you are the most annoying human being. Let's find you a job. <laughs> and I got a job. It wasn't, it was in the beauty department, but it wasn't selling makeup yet. It was selling hair sticks that were like a Chinese brand. You roll up the hair, French twist, you put the stick in. And it wasn't, I didn't make a salary or even an hourly wage. I had to sell sticks and get a commission. It's commission only. So if no one showed up or if you couldn't sell anything, you had no money for food. What was your pitch? Do you remember? Well, I had this, my boss had really long hair down to her knees and she would go into the aisle and spin her hair around. And she would be like, she would be, (laughs) when you're fishing, would be the sparkly little fish on the end of the line. And she would bring people in. And then we would show how we could do her hair in like 30 seconds and put the pins in and she'd shake around and they would stay. So it was like a physical demo. (laughs) Like literally hair everywhere. And we'd do French twisting. And then we would gather. It was almost like entertainment. People would come and watch. Hair origami. Yeah, and then it would, you'd roll it up. It was just basically to keep your hair in place in a French twist or uh, something. And then you would yeah. pull, it, you'd pull the sticks out and the hair would tumble out. It was like a Pantene commercial before <laughs> Pantene probably even existed. It was just this big show. And then from there, I was right next to the Ultima 2 counter. And from there, Ultima 2 saw that I was, you know, doing okay. And they hired me. And then I got into FIT. Yeah, and I wanted to know because I feel like this is, would be a pinnacle in a moment you would not forget about the time you met Estee Lauder at Bloomingdale's. Tell us about that. So here I was wearing makeup at a young age, buying 17 magazine when I was 13, just always idolizing the ads and the articles. Like to, when you're young, you don't realize an ad is different than totally. An <laughs> so you're, you're seeing, you know, like Revlon and all of those brands and Charlie perfume and the girl in the pantsuit walking and you just want to be these people. And I just loved how this vivid life that they led because they had such confidence. So the Estee Lauder counter in Bloomingdale's was, you know, 30 feet away. And I saw this buzz happening. I, at that point, just knew I loved beauty. I didn't know it was something that I could be in a beauty executive someday. And she looked me in the eye and she held my hand and she said, you know, there could be a future here for you. You know, it was one of those moments of, are you kidding me? So, you know, you meet people when you're young and impressionable and you have your big eyes and 
um, she gave me that, uh, she looked me in the eye. I mean, I think, it, and that's one thing I do always is that I look right mm-hmm. at people when they're talking to me so that they feel that they're being heard and that the message is for you. So it was just a very inspirational moment mm-hmm. for me. Do you remember like what she was wearing or what she smelled like or anything like that? Well, she definitely, I think it was used to, which I smelled like from down the hall. So I was in the men's department. I could still smell it. All the lauder perfumes, as you know, in the eighties, well, every perfume (laughs) in the eighties was so strong and I loved it. So I think it was used to, and she definitely wasn't wearing pants. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just remember, this is like 1980. Yeah. Too. So we're talking. That would be a long yeah, time. I can ago. picture it right now. <laughs> so then you moved on to work in the corporate beauty world, uh, Revlon and Neutrogena. How did you end up at Bear Essentials, the parent company of Bear Minerals? Yeah. Well, it was just this tiny, tiny, tiny little company. I was at Neutrogena, had my son and my husband. We were living in LA. And it was just one of those things. There was this company that was trying to be a body shop competitor. So I never heard of them. So I was used to working at, you know, I worked for Procter and Gamble with Max Factor. I'd been with Factor for seven years and I, you know, I worked at Lauder as a spritzer and I was a, an intern for a lot of the companies. So for my husband and I to move to San Francisco, he had never even been there to visit. And we moved before he had even seen it. The opportunity being I ran a $30 million brand, hair care brand at Neutrogena. How hard could this be? So that's what it was, just moving up to see how we can make lotions and gels, a competitor. So it was, um, it was the, created the Bare Minerals and named it and shaded it out back in 95. And so how did Bare Minerals come to be? Yeah. So it, we had mineral makeup in the store in the original store. And it was probably 1% of the business at, at the time. Wow. And so that's why the rebranding of it, um, calling it Bare Minerals, creating a story, uh, the story that was easier to understand. Although it, we did that and we still didn't sell it for uh, two years. Still, because, you know, if you're thinking about, people didn't care about healthy makeup. There was no clean movement. There was no natural ingredients. People had no problem using chemicals mm-hmm. on their face. And so trying to tell people that chemicals maybe weren't the greatest thing and telling them maybe liquids aren't the greatest thing at the time. So there was a lot of education that was needed. And besides, there was a technique for using it. So liquid is like, boom, you're done. With bare minerals, you had, there were steps right. you had to take to put it on. So there were just so many hurdles, so many, so many hurdles. And if, you know, it was just, just sat there, just nobody wanted to take the time to do it. You saw something, you saw potential. And, you know, even now you look up Bare Minerals online and it's touted as the original creators of clean, natural makeup. So tell us from your perspective why mineral makeup was so breakthrough. Yeah, well, I, I think again, the, uh, the idea that there were five ingredients mm-hmm. in the product. So this would not have happened if QVC weren't part of the picture because I was able to actually talk to people. Back then it was a print ad and the print ad, you couldn't have like a lot of copy to explain it. So I became an explainer more than an educator. So, and you know, I had spent years at FIT 
and learning from the best. So I took chemistry classes and all of that stuff. When you're at school, you have to learn how makeup is made. So, and then I worked at Max Factor, but they had pancake makeup. I came from like, you do realize what's in the mm-hmm. pancake? It was not a pleasant idea. And people, I realized that people were breaking out and their rosacea was getting exacerbated from the makeup. And I, I heard, I found out that dermatologists were the first thing they would tell women, stop wearing makeup to see what the problem is. And turns out makeup was a lot of the reason why women had acne and skin problems. So with all of that knowledge, taking it from 50 ingredients to five ingredients, the chances of you having an issue would be small. So that was like originally how I went went about this. And it turns out the first people that were interested in listening to me were those people who couldn't wear makeup. So it was really, we weren't targeting those people, but they're like, you know what? I've never been able to wear foundation. Let me give Mm -hmm. this a try. So those were the first ones. Then eventually, as those people started healing their skin, people who could wear anything started listening. Maybe I want to put something healthy on my skin instead of not healthy. I mean, I'm working out. I'm like, I would just ask the question, you're working out every day. You're eating well, yet you're putting that makeup on. Like, let's, Let's look at your whole mm-hmm. lifestyle mm-hmm. for a minute. So that's when other people started um, opening their eyes. We were very proud of the fact that people who never wore makeup, we kind of opened the category for other people, for other brands to come in and other people to, to join the makeup industry uh, by making it that right. clean. And so, and then we went into eyeshadow and it went into blush and literally these pots could you could own these pots for right. 20 years and it won't go bad. Like with the liquid, you'd be throwing it out. I have, I have original jars of makeup that I could still use from 1995. Wow. <laughs> and they're still closed up. I haven't opened them yet. But it was um, just to help people to understand, because like you said, most women were wearing liquid foundation and then mm-hmm. they were introduced to this idea of wearing powder. And the powder was kind of, has been described as like a confectioner's sugar. It was really finely ground and it was dry, but it was somehow creamy at the same time. Or how would you That's exactly describe right. it? You know that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's funny because I was so against using the word powder for so long because people thought of powder as drying. And I would always say, if you put your finger in the jar with your eyes closed, you wouldn't actually know it was mm-hmm. a powder because there was, con- it wasn't, uh, there was a consistency. Right. So if you put it on, like if you close your eyes and put it on, you wouldn't necessarily know it was a powder because there wasn't talc in it, which talc is more, there was nothing in there to blot oil. Okay. So it wasn't that kind of powder. So there was that, ed- there was a million different angles of education that we had to do. But the fact that we, sold so many of them on QVC that first time, sight unseen, we had to then follow up right away with let's, and that's where those the threads came, came to play. It was all written. So no one could see, there were no videos, so we couldn't show them again. So they had to tape the program, watch it at home again. And then we would type and talk about, make sure you use a little bit. So there was a constantly re-educating and re um, energizing the message. And that's the part that, you know, I get into a little bit in the book. I just didn't have all of the time, but how do you care for people in the, um, a, a beauty consumer who's using your product where they feel their hand is being held on something brand mm-hmm. new. So listening to every question 
and answering each person individually. So they feel it's a custom event just for Mm. them. This was a huge hurdle in so many ways. I needed to be online four hours Mm. a day to do that, but it was worth it. I didn't know what it would Mm -hmm. produce, but when you have a caring heart, you figure that Mm. stuff out. And I think when I talk to young entrepreneurs in the beauty business, the caring part, what, how does that manifest for you? How does helping people manifest mm-hmm. for you versus just putting a product out there? It's not that. And not just being on TV and talking about it. That's only part of it mm-hmm. too. You know, the whole QVC part, which you mentioned is so integral to this story. So you've sold out in your first visit, which was like six minutes, I understand. Yes. Is that right? My next visit after the the first one was 20 minutes. We did 400,000 in 20 minutes, which was beyond. Like we would do that in yeah. a year in a store, in a good store in wow. one year. We did that in 20 minutes. So you could see how mind blowing right. that was. And we had then, after that, we had done uh, like amazing numbers in a matter of a 24 hour mm-hmm. period where BBC does these 24 hour events. Yeah. So, you know, every time we'd go on air, it was like, what the heck is going on? Hey guys, I want to pause for a moment to tell you about one of our show partners, Missouri. So heads up, Mother's Day is coming up. It's May 10th. And I want to share the perfect gift that I found at Missouri, who's known for their fine jewelry for every day without 10 times the markups. The truth is I got it for myself. But I'm a mom, so I think it's actually legit. What I ordered was the Tarot Moon Necklace. I already received it in the mail. I'm going to show you guys what it looks like on Instagram. The packaging, everything, it's so well done. It's definitely sparking joy. So it's a minimalist necklace with a tarot-inspired moon pendant on it. It's surrounded by tiny white sapphires. I chose the moon, but there's also a sun or stars. These are great for layering because they're adjustable. I love that look, but you can also wear it on its own. And another thing I thought was really cool is I usually opt for solid gold items. Missouri has the special material they offer. It's more affordable and it's called Gold Vermeil. Basically, it's a thick layer of 18 karat gold on sterling silver. So it's different than regular gold plating. It's really going to give you that long lasting gold color. Really, there are unlimited options. Everything from dainty 14 karat solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and everything is fairly priced, handcrafted, ethically sourced, and made to last. There is something for everyone. If you can't decide, you can check out their curated gift guide, shop their gifts under $150, or you can even make it personal with an engraving. They'll take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. So they've totally taken all the guesswork out of gifting this year. And we have a promo code. Head to Missouri.com slash beauty or use the code beauty at checkout for 10% off your first order. Try it. Get free shipping on all U.S. and Canadian orders, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. That's M-E-J-U-R-I.com slash beauty for 10% off your first order. And now back to today's episode. 
Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, the largest online career resource built inclusively for women. I also have the privilege of hosting our new podcast, The Females. We're here to help with real talk career advice from CEOs, authors, creatives, and other experts to give you real strategies for building a successful career all on your own terms. Each episode of The Females is sure to not only inspire, but also to motivate you to take action and move your career forward. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes and follow along on careercontessa.com. Let's just rewind for a minute. So QVC was a big, like that turned the key on this business for you. So how did you get onto QVC? How did you get this idea? Because everybody was selling at counter up until then. What happened? That's right. Yeah. So it was uh, 1996 and I was just freaked out. And I I get stressed. I think I get stressed out easily. I don't know. So I was, I just wanted to leave the bedroom. Our son slept in our bed with us when we did the family bed. I don't know. Don't judge <laughs> us. And I would have to leave bed and I'd watch television and flipping the channels, wanting something comforting. There weren't a lot of options. We didn't have cable and QVC would show up and I think she was live. And there's this woman selling jewelry, talking to me in my pajamas and I just started watching her every night. Not during the day. It was only at night when the sun set. And I know that some people, when the moon's out, they start feeling like werewolves and they start <laughs> freaking out and they're like, they're going to turn into a monster. And that's how I didn't want to be a monster. So I had to, I had to watch. And then eventually with QVC, you either just watch it for entertainment or you take the plunge. And I think I heard that people after like six times watching, they buy. And I bought my first purchase. I still have them. It's from. 96, the set of three stacking gemstone rings. So QVC. <laughs> I, I was just going to say pays. three easy pays. <laughs> and I love yeah. them. And then that's when it hit me that maybe, maybe I, since I can't afford to hire a model or an actress and I can't afford a print ad because they're like, you know, $50,000 an ad. Why don't I try? So I, printed out an application and I mailed it in, in December. And I got an invitation to visit their offices in May and they decided to try it. Put me on air in August, August 30th, 97. Uh, Without experience, they told me that they give a lot of brands a shot in every category, whether it's pots and pans or vacuums or whatever. But if you don't sell, we're going to send the product back to you, which was a horrifying idea because we had to make like two years worth or something uh, based on what we were selling. And if it came back, we'd have all this makeup that we wouldn't be able to sell. So it was a very risky thing. It was me doing it. I didn't tell anyone. I just wanted to see what I what could do. What was your time slot? It was a Saturday. It was Saturday morning and Lisa Robertson was my host. So she ended up becoming like one of my closest friends from that mm-hmm. point on. Yeah. And we went on and and I know what I did. I asked people questions on air that first day. So it was a lot of it was imagine a makeup that's good for you. No one had even considered that idea before. Yeah. And then I went into why. I'm not a hard sell person. I wouldn't mm-hmm. call myself a salesperson at all. I just speak my truth. And I'm like, don't buy this if you don't want a healthy makeup. Like that might not be your yeah. thing. You might the breakout you're having might be from your makeup and this won't break you out. Like I was more like you decide. I don't want to 
pressure you. Yeah. <laughs> so you did the explainer and what happened? What happened to the sales? Yeah. So it started selling. I'm hearing it in my ear. When I walked off the set, the minute I walked off, Lisa Robertson said, oh, we sold out. And I almost fell down. I mean, and <laughs> it just, it was like the most shocking, could not believe. I could still get tingles from it. And then we had a wait list, the same size as the sales on the day, so that we didn't even have the inventory for it. We had to go back and quickly make it. So it was um, about like $95,000 of makeup sales in six minutes. Wow. And again, that was more than we'd, we'd sell in a week right. in the store. Pretty powerful. What was like the conversion process like? Because I think to your point, you just said like people thought of powder as being dry and all of that. And they were probably like, oh, is that shade going to match me? I don't know. It's in a jar. It's unfamiliar. So what was like the conversion process to convince people to switch from a liquid to a powder foundation? Because I think a lot of people still think Bare Minerals is just like a loose powder, like a finishing powder. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think uh, these days liquid came back into play Mm -hmm. again. Uh, for years, it was, uh, well, Bare Minerals was selling millions of jars, millions of jars a year. Do you have any recollection of like how many was selling every minute or something like that? Yeah. There was like one every like three minutes wow. or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, and it, you know, it won all of the awards every year. And so the conversion part was I was on QVC eight times a year and my visits eventually became like six hour visits. And then those videos stayed online. So even before YouTube, we had, and there were 90 million households that QVC was in. And once the word of mouth happened and we were, we would do our full day events four times a year. So that was, and then our infomer, honestly, the infomercial, we were on three to 500 times a week. Mm, wow. And 28 minute shows. And they were all educational. So they were, people were buying, but they were also seeing before and afters. We, we never retouched mm-hmm. people. So from the beginning, that was our, our whole thing. So you were seeing, you weren't seeing that, that model in a magazine that always looked perfect. You saw what she looked like beautiful before, and you saw what she looked like beautiful after uh, with coverage. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that visual of seeing, and then we did on the infomercial too. We showed you the ingredients that were in the liquids. So you were able to see the thick mm-hmm. oils and all that stuff that may be clogging your pores. So all of that were just adding on reasons mm-hmm. for people to right. try it. So it wasn't even about dryness at that point. They were seeing what they were doing to their skin yeah. with the current product may have been causing right. their issues. So we were able to clean up people's skin. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'll learn the three steps if I can get Clear right, you know? right. Yeah. It really like I think spawned so many knockoff products too. Like I feel like the whole category yeah. of mineral makeup did not exist, and then Bare Minerals came on along, and then it was just boom, an explosion. We counted at one point three hundred different brands. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, getting back to the chat room idea, there were message boards that had been created. This was before social media and MySpace and Facebook and all of that. And it really cultivated this community, um, which seems like it's another huge part of the brand's success. Now, what are some of the stories that you would see unfolding? Like, was it about these radical transformations, these before and afters, or how did that grow? The stuff that we talked about 
on the, the first few years online in those chat rooms were a perfect blend of who are you? What are you doing in your life? What does your day look like? And let's talk about mm-hmm. the morning when we're putting mm-hmm. our makeup on. So it wasn't just about makeup where it wasn't just a makeup tutorial. It was, let's get the technique down. But then what are you doing during the day? Do you have daycare? Are you watching the kids? How many dogs do you have? (laughs) How's the relationship with the husband? What are you cooking tonight? So it ended up being like a a chat room for people. And I needed it too, because I worked all the time. So this was like my place to hang out with friends. So it was, I was serving them to make sure that they got their complexion right Mm -hmm. in the morning. But it was also like I was getting joy out of being with these women. So it was a, a very much an online. It was it was almost it was almost as if I was doing a blog or I had my own um what do they do now? YouTube's YouTube yeah. channels like a vlog. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually we then took it into a personal realm a couple of years later. We needed to meet in person. The difference was I think I was personally attached to these people as like these were I had to decide, there's a section in the book about the two use, like I am a brand, I am part of a brand, I'm selling you product, but I'm also friends with these people and what is, who is me and who is working and who is me personally. And I, this was before personal branding was a thing Mm -hmm. and that people had to learn how to pull away Mm -hmm. from it. I was giving my phone (laughs) number out. I was in the middle of the night calling people who were had, were having like relationship problems with, you know, husbands that were not good to their wives. So I was helping in that way. I'm like, I'm not a medical doctor here, but I know I can offer um, Mm -hmm. a hand. So it just became blurred for me. And eventually I had to learn where to to stop it. And I think people are better at that now. They Mm -hmm. give themselves certain amount of time. Well, it was so new back then. Yeah. It's almost like you backed into it. Like you just know if someone needs help, swirl tapping and buffing and they need help because they are breaking out you help them but then once the next question or need is something personal you don't just stop there you can't i didn't mm-hmm. know how and it was fine but it did definitely infiltrate my mm-hmm. life and i had to learn but it took yeah. years it took years of figuring yeah. that out now one example of that that you talk about in the book was the story of the adventures of the traveling red dress. Can you recall that story? Oh, it was so nice. So I'm part of this group, you know, Cosmetic Executive Women. You're probably part of that organization. And they are basically if you're a woman in the beauty industry, you can be part of this group and they have talks and a lot of other um great um membership qualities to them. They also have this arm where donation for people at work who have cancer and they help people going through cancer while they're working. So I got this red gown and I went on QVC and I said, listen, you can have this gown. If you donate, it's an auction. You can own this gown. So we did this whole auction. So there were a bunch of people. Someone came at the end with a much higher um, bid and the other ones were kind of bummed out. So they all got together somehow online and said, why don't we do this together and we'll own the dress for a year and we'll ship it to each person. But you have to take a photograph. You have to document your time in the dress. And then they didn't tell me, but at the end of the year, they were sending me their diaries and their photos and I was getting the dress back. Mm -hmm. So 
It was unbelievable. And what I had to do at the end was take my own picture, send it to them with my personal story. They gave, they told me their truly deeply personal lives in this. And I have the whole, this whole package. So I gave them my personal story that I hadn't shared with anyone. Mm -hmm. It was so remarkable, but that was just like part of the story of the power of this community that strangers came together, put that was money, their personal money to address that they didn't get right, to yeah. keep. They gave it back to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They felt like they knew you because of that QVC. It's like, you were like their friend telling them about this yeah. amazing product, but also like interacting with them. The original influencer, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I wouldn't have known what that word meant. Years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so now on a separate note, I understand you've been known to do the splits on boardroom tables. <laughs> I fully support this behavior. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm just a goofball and I like to dance and I like doing like ab workouts in strange places. Yeah. So, and I'm still trying splits. I don't get down nearly as far, but yeah, I've done yes stuff like that too. And I have... See, the workplace, the culture bear was a pretty fun culture. So we had to build humor into our daily Mm -hmm. lives. Otherwise, it got way too serious and then no one would want to come back on Mm -hmm. Monday morning. So we would have like dance parties and um, they would dress up really well for Halloween and they would make special cocktails or, you know. So there was, even as we were growing larger and getting more serious as a brand, Mm -hmm and going into global markets, we would always match up. <laughs> and I think that me doing splits was fun for other people. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see that at a Monday morning boardroom meeting, personally. <laughs> and so in 2010, the company was acquired for $1.7 billion by Shiseido. That's a huge figure. And in 2016, you left the company. You're such a veteran in the beauty industry. And we're curious, what do you think is the most exciting thing happening in the world of beauty right now? Or like, what would be something that you would invest in? Yeah, see, I think that what we're going to find now as our lives are changing, because if you asked me the six months ago, I might've had a different answer than Mm -hmm. right now. I think, and what I'm saying to my founders as we're talking the last few weeks, is the brands that are going to make it, big are the ones that can navigate the time we're in right now. Our lives are going to change. How are we going to shop? How are we going to give personalized service and formulas to people where they feel heard? If we're going to be wearing masks for a couple of years, possibly, which it's looking like, because if you're looking at the mask market right now, the designers are getting mm-hmm. into it. What does that mean for makeup? Maybe skincare is going to be super important. And now just like dental hygienists who've worn masks, and I know our business was built through the dental hygienist market because the the mask was on them all day long. So I think we need to look at what does, how does our skincare work in our new environment when viruses flying through the air and then making people feel comforted and not fear. I think that we need to be more compassionate. I think we need to think about where, where our faces are going to be and who they're going to be in front of and what we can do when we're in our house um, to protect our skin. My skin hasn't looked better since I'm not outside <laughs> in my car with, with exhaust, like the exhaust and the pollution. I'm indoors and I'm taking that time to really care for it. So mm-hmm. 
I think we're going to see the companies that make it, first of all, everyone is reflecting on their own lives right now. And that reflection is going to come through their brands as well. So our last question for you, your book is all about anecdotal advice and putting a fire under anyone who needs to hear it right now. What was the best advice you've ever received? So I was thinking like for my mom, don't let it go to your head. So when you have a win or when things are looking good and stay humble about it, that it's just one step of the way. If you, if you think you're doing great, celebrate for that moment, but it's not over. It's you continue, you continue to have to be a good person. You continue to have to be kind to others and observe and listen. Don't get too big from it. Just And I think that's a big message in the book is just, I like being ordinary. I like being like everyone else. I like that bond, that common thread with people. And I don't want to be better than anyone. I want to be with mm-hmm. everyone. So I think that would that's probably the best advice. I'm really feeling that inspo. Thanks again to Leslie. And now we just want to take an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper into what mineral makeup is and our own experience with the iconic Bare Minerals product. So basically this whole category of mineral makeup, it's about using naturally derived minerals that are ground and finely milled into tiny particles to create makeup and they're non-comedogenic by nature. So they're not going to clog your pores. There are only five ingredients in the original foundation, titanium dioxide, zinc oxide, bismuth oxychloride, mica, and iron oxides. So the idea is that it's free from unnecessary perfumes, additives, binders, fillers, talc, and preservatives. That's what makes it so appealing to sensitive skin types. And you guys might recognize those ingredients, zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Those are also natural UV filters. So it helps protect you from the sun's rays too. So what I thought was interesting to me though, is that Bare Minerals original tagline is the original cruelty-free clean beauty brand. However, you can buy it at Sephora and it does not have the clean at Sephora seal of approval. So I was like, what gives? Yeah. So we investigated this a little bit further. In 2019, Sephora launched the Clean at Sephora uh, designation, the seal of approval for brands. Mm -hmm. And now they have a list of 50 no-no ingredients that your products have to be free from in order to get this designation. And we did confirm that Clean at Sephora gives this seal to whole brand assortments. So they don't just like cherry pick products from different brands to give the seal to. It's like your whole brand has to be compliant. That's right. I also went back to Bare Minerals and the publicist was able to say that Bare Minerals is the first brand to introduce mineral clean makeup with the launch of the original mineral foundation that only has five ingredients. Sephora has their own criteria of what they consider clean. So in other words, their criteria is different. Bare Minerals is free from paraben, phthalates, formaldehyde, chemical sunscreens, mineral oil, propylene glycol. It's also free of coal tar and a few others. It's also cruelty-free, but obviously their list does not match Sephora's and there is no universal list that everybody has to follow. I'm sure we're not alone when we say that we really hope that somebody one day comes up with this universal list so we can all be on the same page. That's right. (laughs) So you've been trying the original foundation, getting reacquainted. Jill, what are your thoughts? So 
the official name is the Bare Minerals Original Foundation Broad Spectrum SPF 15. It's 32 US dollars and 38 Canadian, and it comes in 30 shades. So you ordered the originals kit. Is that right? Yeah. So what that comes with is the original foundation. It also comes with the buffing brush, which I think is key to getting a good result with this foundation. It also comes with a primer and a mineral veil sort of finishing powder. Right. And so you use the whole thing together. Yeah. So I did a bit of an experiment and I applied the primer on one half of my face. Mm-hmm. And disclaimer, I do wear foundation primer with all of my foundation. Right. So I put it on half of my face and then I used Leslie's tips and I put a little bit of foundation in the cap of the jar. I swirled my brush around in it. I tapped the excess and then I just went to work buffing the product into the skin. And I think my first impression was just like, wow, I did forget how creamy this powder is. Mm -hmm. It's like a magical formula. Yeah. Like once you get it on your face, you feel like you're blending in a regular foundation. Mm -hmm. And what did you notice from one side to the next? So the side that I wore primer on, it was almost like I just got a more flawless finish. It was like I had a blurring effect thanks to the primer. And it was like the product sort of hovered Mm -hmm. over my pores and over any fine lines. And I have to admit using it all these years later, when I do have some fine lines, I was thinking uh, it may not sit that well on my skin, Mm -hmm. but you really do get that radiant finish. And I love that you can build it up to go like a little goes a long way. So build it from sheer to medium to full coverage if you want. Mm -hmm. The side where I did not wear any primer, I still got that coverage, but I felt like just the texture was not as smooth. Okay. Got it. So did it settle into fine lines though on the side with no primer? No, it didn't at all, which was like a pleasant surprise. I just found though overall, I did not look as flawless. Like it was a little more patchy, I would say. Mm -hmm. And of course, some of the benefits are really going to be over time, right? So if you have sensitive skin, rosacea, acne, if it's not going to clog those pores and it's less likely to irritate, then it's just going to have a better result the longer you use it for, right? I know from Facebook groups and Reddits and everything, there are just so many diehards who are still devoted to this product. Yeah. And I also like that it doesn't have talc in it. It's just way like some other mineral makeups I've tried. You just look chalky no matter what way you slice it. And this one, you just look flawless and radiant. Like you are wearing a really nice cream foundation. Yeah. Well, good to know that the product still stands the test of time. Mm -hmm. And on that note, I just want to leave everybody with a passage from Leslie's book, Pretty Good Advice for People Who Dream Big and Work Harder, that particularly struck home with me. Love is pretty much my story. I do not believe the company I helped build would have made such an impact if all the people who touched the brand didn't know how to love and not just other people, but experiences, concepts, and ideas. It's true I brought my emotions to work and sometimes my passion was over the top. Too much, sometimes so real, it was raw. I don't regret having those feelings. Emotions drive connection. I got to bookmark that page. (laughs) Well, thanks everyone for listening and we will see you again next week. 
Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday. Like a cherry bomb, like a cherry